Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. We are back with Robert Kappelman, who has been a guest on Freedom Forum Radio numerous times in the past. Robert Kappelman, welcome back to Freedom Forum Radio. Well, it should be a worry because what you have is you have a corrupt political system that has signed on to wokeism, a, an, what I would call an evil religion or a religion of lies and deceit. And so you have kind of, and then you add into that the, the, the media, the social media and the media with the power to turn people into unpersons, like in 1984, seems to me like the perfect storm. Does it not to you? It does. We, we are at a, a critical point, and I take some hope in parents pushing back against uh, critical race theory, uh, seeing this, but uh, the news media I watch, I see this happening but when I switch over to some of the alphabets, uh, media, I don't see that happening. I don't have the see the person speaking up at the school board pushing back. And that is, you know, one of the things in totalitarian governments is they control the media. In fact, that's one of the goals uh, of Marxism is control of the media, control of transportation. Uh, at that time, you know, Marx was thinking they were all very inefficiently run, ought to be not run by capitalists, but the government can do it better. And we, we recognize that with the excellent service with Amtrak. Well, again, that's Ronald Reagan's quote, you know, the 11 most uh, feared words in the English language is we're from the government and we're here to help. Because invariably, when the government gets involved, it becomes totally inefficient, uh, much too expensive, and it never works right. Yeah. Sad but true. So what do you think the best, what do you think the solutions are? We're we know we know what the founding fathers gave us we know that it's a constitutional republic not a democracy because democracy is mob rule we know it's a constitutional republic in which the rights of every single minority even a minority of one single person are protected and secured by the bill of rights so that's what we were given 240 years ago uh and now we're in this state where the um, government 
is combined with a uh, wokeism and, and 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 really not just wokeism, but a variety of other uh, fake religions like the religion of climate change and things like that, uh, along with. Uh, a bunch of people in government who are want nothing but more and more power. So how do you think we need to fight that? Or how can we? Well, I think we've created a problem for ourselves with three generations of not paying attention to what's happening in the universities. And uh, even when I was in uh, graduate school, I would, took a couple undergraduate courses. And you ended up, instead of really learning, uh, you regurgitated. You told the professor what they wanted to hear, and you got an A. And you told the professor what you really thought, and you got a C, if you were lucky. Uh, you have uh, an indoctrination process that um, started, I guess there was a group called the Frankfurt Group, which is a group of, of socialists, Marxist socialists, that were basically uh, chased out of Germany, ended up in the U.S., uh, I believe one of the major universities, Columbia or so. But this whole idea of uh, teachers teaching teachers to teach teachers, you end up with a whole network of uh, educators that really don't believe necessarily in our representative democracy. And therefore, they're teaching that to our kids. And this is not, you know, one generation, two generations. We're going on our third generation of kids being educated not to hold the rights that this country provides that dear. And so what you do, you've got to start back with education. You've got to take a stronger stand, um, you know, starting by necessity at the state level in those states. And I think you see that happening now where they're basically – uh, per, uh, prohibiting the teaching of anti-American, anti-democracy uh, coursework like critical race theory. But my gosh, you've got that critical race theory. Uh, I did not realize it had been around for 20 years. And it's just, and it's been bubbling underneath where most people don't notice it. And now it's uh, out there in the open and people are pushing it hard. But uh, that is such a, you know, horrible indictment of America, the critical race theory. And it's a hopeless thing because, you know, it's no longer everyone is created equal with equal opportunities. You've got two groups of people now. You've got the oppressor and the oppressed and uh, but America wasn't built to have that type of situation. Um, so education, uh, you also basically need to do uh, if you can get control of the government one more time, uh, that people push back. And I think the first step, you know, push back, 
get people to realize the people the people that really control the election are the independents. And they're independent because they're disgusted with parties and politics and stuff like that. But they do pay attention. Uh, and you have to reach that independent group so they understand what's at stake. And then you've got to get back into the education system. I mean, it was a gradual thing that happened when no one was paying attention. But it has to be a deliberate way of teaching kids true history and most important, teach them not critical race theory, but critical thinking where they can evaluate some of these ideas critically and make decisions as opposed to regurgitation. We are back with Robert Kappelman, who has been a guest on Freedom Forum Radio numerous times in the past. Robert Kappelman, welcome back to Freedom Forum Radio. Well, we have for, for certainly there is an educational problem here. And you can look at this in a long-term way, which is what you're proposing. And I, and I think that is a correct solution. My concern is, is that we have had a rapidly accelerating decline in freedom in this country. We've had a rap rapidly accelerating attempts to abolish and successful abolition of many of the provisions in the Bill of Rights, which is what protects us as individuals from the strength of the government. And don't forget, this is not an, a movement that started 10 or 20 years ago. This has been going on for 100 years. The American progressive movement started basically with Woodrow Wilson. And it has been going on uh, really flawlessly since that time. And there's a good reason for that. And that is that, you know, that saying about if you don't uh, learn the lessons of history, you're doomed to repeat it. Well, most people just ignored the history. The bad thing would happen. We'd figure out how to get around it. We'd figure, uh, figure it out and we'd get around it. And then we'd sit back down on the sofa. The problem is the progressive movement did not sit back down on the, on the sofa, ever. They learned. When they tried something that was unsuccessful, they learned from those mistakes. So the next time they went ahead to do it, they did it better. And that has been going on for the last hundred years till now. It's like that big starts out as a small little snowball at the top of the hill going a mile an hour. But by the time it gets to be down the bottom of the hill, you're looking at something that's eight feet tall and it's going about 100 miles an hour. How do you stop that? Well, it's, it's interesting that one of my heroes, uh, President uh, Theodore Roosevelt, was a progressive. And it's, it's interesting, the idea, again, uh, with the, uh, the administrative state, um, at that time it was, boy, life is getting really complicated. Uh, politicians can't figure out, uh, out all this stuff. What we need to get, and this is the, the first part of progressivism, is let's get unbiased, non-political experts that can advise us. Uh, now, that sounds good. And when we need something done and we have the, the big picture 
these experts will help us put this together in the most efficient way possible. So we need to expand this department, this department, this department. And you started getting what we call now the administrative state. Now, the administrative state was supposed to be non-political, objective. And what happened is, you know, when we have we have checks and balances on on government, uh, it fails when we don't have moral people in those positions. Or let's say it, it's harder to check and balance when you have immoral people in those positions. But you now have the administrative state where they have grown in just the magnitude of the administrative state. Uh, the old I, I used to have meetings in the uh, old executive office building ne- next to the White House. And someone told me, said, would you believe the entire federal government used to be in this building? Well, the growth of the administrative state. Now they all have buildings bigger than the old house, uh, the uh, old house office building uh, or the um, uh, executive office building, excuse me. And what's happened with the administrative state is they're out of control because they now think they know better than everyone else. And uh, where's your checks and balances there? And the progressivism has gone now from that original progressive idea that kind of was a good idea to now the leftist progressives, which are quite frankly Marxist. See, what the problem always is, is that uh, however well-intentioned some of these things were, uh, there was always someone with an agenda behind it or close enough to it to hijack it for evil purposes. And and that's really what the problem was. Um, I don't know, I could, don't know anything about what was in Theodore Roosevelt's mind when he said that. He might well have had a good idea, but I guarantee you Woodrow Wilson did not have a good idea in no. his entire head. And uh, his his intent was to make this country part of a worldwide uh, communist, socialist uh, governance. And he wanted to do it through the League of Nations, and fortunately that was shut down, and then all those people went over to the Council of Foreign Relations, and they busily wrote the UN Charter. And so, like I said, they didn't give up. They lost no. one battle, and they said, okay, we're going to do it a little better this time, and they figured out how to do it. So, yeah, the original gem, uh, germ of the idea may have been okay, or or it might have had some good seeds in it. But the problem is, is you can't get away from people whose uh, who's, who's mindset is not for positive things. And that's what we're in the grips of now with it, because they're the ones in control. Well, this is where you have this breakdown. I, I had a friend of mine last year who still works in Washington and says, I've never seen it this bad. I just I don't you know, and I we always we would talk every year. We would talk about how how bad it was in Washington. <laughs> but he said, I said, this is this is this is really bad. And I said, well, I'm looking from you know the outside looking in, and I can tell you 
this is what I see. And he said, well, share with me. And I said, remember, we used to have an objective and the two parties would argue like cats and dogs over who had the best solution to solve the problem. Uh, They wanted to go to the same place. I said, they don't want to go to the same place anymore because you have nationalism versus globalism. So globalism embraces this Green New Deal, uh, global warming. It's a problem the whole world has to come together to to solve. And anything that pushes that global governance, you can kind of look at that. You know, if it says, uh, you know, who who should be in control? You know, what kind of economic system should we have? Is it capitalism versus something else you know is it a constitutional government or is the constitution old and tired and needs to be replaced so you've got these strong demarcations now between uh, the parties and where the people that used to be on the fringe of the democratic party are now the new mainstream so you've got ideas that are diametrically opposed uh, to the founding documents, to what America is about. And that is where we're, we're at, a, we're at a, a, a real breaking point here of what happens in these next elections, because this the, we can get back on track, but it's not going to be an easy, uh, easy haul. And it's not going to be one election. We can put everything back together. Uh, no, it's going to take a uh, systematic approach to get our democracy, our representative democracy back on track and uh, get people to understand what they have in our Constitution, what they have in this Declaration of Independence. And if you don't teach history, if you don't look at the tyranny that uh, America overcame through the Constitution, uh, you know, how can they know what they're losing when they don't know what they have? Well, Robert Kaplan, I think it's been a it's been a great discussion that we've had. And I think this last your your last few words here have really crystallized the argument and crystallized the problem that we're dealing with. I think most people in this country are are really willing to live and let live. I mean, you know, you is you know as what you can do you live your life as long as you let me live my life and and that is the concept that is gone at this point it's because the the people who believe in in climate change and and global warming and 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 wokeism and and all of this stuff that's not they are not willing to allow the rest of us to live our lives as we want they can go ahead and, as far as I'm, let them go ahead and live how they want. If they want to eat grass, go ahead and eat grass. I, I mean, I don't care, but don't prevent me from having a steak. Uh, pretty much, let me live my life, and I'll let you live your life. That concept is gone, and unless the other side is willing to understand that basic fact, then there is no peaceable solution to this. Because they want to take away our Bill of Rights is what they want to do. And that Bill of Rights is what lets you and me live as free individuals. 
So, Robert Kaplan, I want to thank you very, very much for being a guest with me on Freedom Forum Radio. Yeah, thank you so much, Dr. Dan. I really enjoyed it. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The right to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. People, I just love to hear that old man sing. Yeah, when I play the hoochie-coochie man I get joy in everything Everything, everything, everything gonna be 